the wide, wide world of sports is going on here. Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Started up, that's your Wednesday on B&E, 29 March. And a uh, lot of conversations being had. We were talking about the uh, B&E facts of the day on the way to the top of the hour that North Texas is going to play for the NIT championship beating Wisconsin last night. I mentioned when the game ended on a 10-0 run. Do you know that the Wisconsin Badgers' final point in that game, Buck, came at the 9:07 mark of the ball game? That's, Gee, that's a long time. That's I bad. Mean, Ty could score by then. I don't know. Ty? I'm a hooper. There you go. He's a hooper. <laughs> I'm a hooper. So they had 54 points with nine plus to go, 9.07 to go, and they didn't make another basket. Point. Come on, guys. That's horrible. I do at one point want to play Zay one-on-one. I got Zay. I got the booty. He will back you down. He will back you low. down. Does it make it take it? Oh yeah, it'll be make it take it, but he he will back you down with yeah, that. Yeah, one on one's hey, always make it ergonomic take it. rear end of his. Give me the ball first. All you gotta do is he's mid- not getting it. Yeah, well, yeah, nine straight minutes, and yeah, North Texas ended the game on a 10-0 run. They'll play for the NIT, the Nitty Championship tomorrow night. Also, I mentioned that uh, according to Adam Schefter, shifty Adam Schefter over at ESPN, there are two bids, historic bids, to buy the Washington Commanders football team of six billion dollars each, six bill. One of them is led by uh, a group, Josh Harris and, and Mitchell Rails. That group includes Magic Johnson, big Magic Johnson. What's he doing? He's trying to buy the Washington Commanders. The other one comes from a Canadian billionaire whose name is not easy to say. Steve, by the way, is a Canadian all right to buy the, buy the Washington Commanders? Steve Apostolopoulos, Apostolopoulos has had, made a fully funded $6 billion bid. Now, there are those in the know who suggest that uh, Apostolopoulos, say that 10 times fast, wow. is just trying to buy the team to send sell it to Jeff Bezos for like $8 billion. Oh, he's going to try to sell his buddy the, the because, deal. Yeah, because Daniel Snyder won't sell to, to Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos would be the highest bidder because he's, if not the richest, one of the richest people on the planet, and he wants to buy the team. But Daniel Snyder hates his guts and doesn't want to sell it to him. So if you're Steve Apostolopoulos, would you just buy it and you know make two billion bucks on a profit by selling it right to Jeff Bezos? I didn't know you could do all that that quick. Oh, I didn't. Well, rich people can do that, I guess. Wouldn't Daniel Snyder know that? That's of course he. Would, I mean, he would know in about well, two seconds. But he's being forced to sell the team. So, you know, that may not happen. Well, but you have to take the highest bid. Don't yeah, you? you do. You you do legally. I guess. I mean, and obviously the league's owners are kind of overseeing this because they, they're the billionaire boys club. Uh, but, yes, that's that's playing out. And there are those within the – because, again, the, the owners' meetings are happening right now in Phoenix, so they're all there. And so a lot of news coming out of there that they think this thing could be done by the draft, which is one month away. Mm. You know, the, the draft is in a month from – the first round will be one month from tomorrow. Uh, 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 where are they doing it? Kansas City this year? Yeah. They're going to Kansas City for the draft? That's boring. I was in Vegas last year. It was a blast. Why would you take it to Kansas City? 
It should be in Vegas every year. Should, should be in Vegas every year. Freezing. I don't know if it'll be freezing in late March there, but um, then what are you going to do? In Vegas, you go to the draft, and then you go gamble. There you go. Or you go to a show. It's part you of go, put down those future bets. You go to the, you, you know what club, Buck. That's right, the Boom Boom. Yeah. Kansas City. Get those futures bets right, right off the bat. So just get to the draft. Here we go. Yeah. And, and, and being there last year, I came out of there saying that. that Because all 30, it means you see it about because look, if it's in Kansas City, it's gonna be all Chiefs fans for the most part, right? It's gonna be heavy Chiefs. Sure. In Vegas, it's everybody. Like every team's represented. Everybody's got their jerseys Strippers, on. Strippers, hookers. Yeah. They got their favorite team. You got to pay for college. Sure somebody's got to pay for, for college. For fans, if you're gonna, <laughs> like, I understand the Super Bowl bouncing around. That kind of makes sense. But the draft, just put it in Vegas. We'll all meet in Vegas. We'll have we'll our leave player draft. We'll all have a good old time. It was right at the end of the straight off the strip down at the promenade. Perfect. And uh, But that's a month from tomorrow. But there are some that believe that this Washington commander sale could happen before then. Now, that's interesting because you know, we're talking about this Lamar Jackson story. And I mentioned that Jim Irsay is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. He weighed in from the owners' meetings and says it's not about the money. It's about the, the compensation. It's the draft picks and the money together, which makes it prohibitive to acquire Lamar Jackson right now. It's too many draft picks. And I said this yesterday. I wonder if the Colts, Colts have the fourth pick. Would there be a way for them to use that draft pick not on a quarterback, but then after the draft work a trade for Lamar Jackson, and then you're giving up next year's first-round pick, not the fourth overall, right? You're giving up next year's one, which if you acquire Lamar Jackson and you have a really good draft here, the Colts can be right back to being pretty dang good, and you got right. Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, so that draft pick is not as valuable uh, next year. Uh, th- that's one something I would watch. Also, Damn, that team was frightening last year. Who? The Colts. Well, I mean, that was such a mess. Well, almost self inflicted, uh, it felt like. But when you fire, look, Frank Reich was still well regarded as a coach. He's already landed in in Carolina. Um, There are a lot of people in Indianapolis thought Jim Irsay got too involved and hired Jeff Saturday because he wanted the team to be bad so they could have a high draft pick so they could draft a quarterback. And here they are with the fourth pick. Because remember, they they fired Frank Reich and they were were like two and three, or I mean, they they weren't terrible at the time. And then they hired a coach who'd never been a coach, who was the owner's buddy, uh, to come in. And then they also fired the offensive coordinator, and they made Sam Ellinger the third-string quarterback a quarterback with no offensive coordinator. It was just a weird – I mean, and Jim, Jim Mercer was way too involved there. Um, but was it to try to sabotage the season to get a high draft pick? I'm not going to say he's that smart. Well, there, would, there has to be a method to it because now here they are. But the, the Colts would be a team that – you got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield healthy with Lamar Jackson and some decent weapons. If you don't have to draft quarterback at four, you can draft a you know, Jalen Green or a Will, Will Anderson, one of those kind of players, and then acquire Lamar Jackson after the end of April because you can still make that trade you know, afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to be out there. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wonder with the Washington Commanders, with the new owners, who the things done by the draft, Sure. would they get involved then? I mean, Daniel Snyder's not going to do it on his way out the door. But would the new owners come in and say, look, we're going to make a splash here. We're going to acquire Lamar Jackson to be our quarterback. That would be a nice way to ingratiate yourself to the fan base. Uh, Because, of course, Washington, D.C., not far from Baltimore. That's where the Ravens are. Uh, That would be quite the coup to land him from from right up the road there. But uh, following that story, those two are out there. Jim Irsay says it's— And in my mind, I still think he's going to end up being a Raven. He doesn't want to be a Raven. That becomes the interesting part because— and, you know, his, his trade request bombshell tweet makes it clear he doesn't want to be there. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's really tough to predict how that's going to pan out. It really does. Because uh, he's only 26. He's a, whatever you think of the – he's really does a good player. he want to really sit out a year? <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't think he does. Uh, all right. Let's get to your headlines, your other trending topics of a busy Wednesday morning on B&E. UBO Business Services brings you the news. Yeah, how about uh, Texas Longhorn Baseball streaking? Longest win streak in the nation in college baseball. Extended last night against their arch rivals down at Texas A&M. Longhorns get the victory 5-2. Longhorns jumped out to an early lead with a two-spot in the first thanks to the red-hot Porter Brown, two-RBI double. He was named the Big 12's Player of the Week yesterday after his weekend performance. He followed it up with that RBI, or two RBIs. They added three, another run in the third, two more in the eighth, and then five Texas pitchers held the Aggies to just six hits, allowed single runs in the first and the sixth uh, to get the win. Now, LeBaron Johnson Jr. started the game, earned the win. Head coach David Pierce went to a pair of his weekend workhorses to preserve the W as Fr- Lucas Gordon, Friday's starter, came in and worked a score at seventh inning. Zane Morehouse recorded the final six outs, but didn't come without drama. In the ninth inning, Morehouse put the first two run- hitters aboard with a walk and then a hit batter. Uh, he pitched through it, though. He coaxed a fielder's choice, then struck out uh, to get the second out. And now it's uh, two aboard with two at second and third and two outs in the inning. Here's Craig Way. No balls, two strikes, two outs. Morehouse, the stretch, and the 0-2 pitch to Cason Wells. Strike three called. Got him looking, and the ball game is over. Nightmare comes through with another save, a six-out save, and the Longhorns have beaten the Aggies for the first time in five years. Yeah, 2018, their last time they beat the Aggies in a regional of course, it's their first win in College Station over Texas A&M since 2011 for a happy head coach, David Pierce. We just need to keep doing it. Every single day, come out with such a positive attitude and just see how we can get better and get ready for Oklahoma State. Yep, 17th-ranked Oklahoma State. The uh, challenge this weekend, three games in Stillwater beginning Friday. Earlier in the day on the 40 acres, Rodney Terry and his era of Texas men's basketball officially began. He was introduced as the permanent head coach of the program. Packed house to greet the new coach. 55-year-old Angleton native, played collegially at St. Edwards. Previously the head coach at Fresno State and UTEP before coming back to Austin as the associate head coach under Chris Beard last season. He was also an assistant under Rick Barnes from 2002 through 2011. Also from college youth, we mentioned in Vegas last night, North Texas top Wisconsin, 56-54. They're going to the NIT championship game. That's where they're going to face a familiar foe, Conference USA rival UAB. Beat Utah Valley last night. They'll play tomorrow night. One other college hoops note, the reigning Big 12 freshman of the year, Keontae George, has announced that he is headed to the NBA after just one season in Waco. Also from the NBA, the Basketball Hall of Fame class of 2022 announced yesterday, and what a class it is, Dwayne Wade. The all-time Dallas Maverick Dirk Nowitzki, Pau Gasol, and Spurs legend Tony Parker have all been elected, along with Spurs head coach Greg Popovich and WNBA legend Becky Hammond. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. What a Hall of Fame class that is, Buck. It so, certainly is. I'm sure Maverick fans are excited to see Dirk Nowitzki going into the hall alongside Dwayne Wade, who, of course, we know they hooked up in that yep. controversial NBA Finals where Dwayne Wade got all the calls. Uh, T.Y., you're a Mavericks fan. What do you think about that? Dirk Nowitzki going in alongside... Uh, D. Wade, uh, of course, Maverick fans will probably make the pilgr- pilgrimage to be there because he's the greatest Maverick of all time. Also, he'll go in alongside Greg Popovich and Tony Parker. How many rival games did they have? No kidding. With the Spurs and the Mavericks over time, and Pau Gasol goes in as well. Uh, that's a pretty good class. And Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great stuff. That's pretty good. Pretty good right there. So um, that was announced yesterday. 
And Rodney Terry, we'll get into this coming up in our coach's corner, but uh, uh, a lot of energy in that building yesterday. There's a lot of, I mean, to see the lost odds and to see, you know, everybody come out to be a part of that. Every player on the team was there, and uh, we'll let you hear it coming up. It gave him a standing ovation as he walked in. He's clearly made an impact uh, on on his ability to direct that program. Uh, what was what was once seen as a, you go back to January and ask people, would, could Rodney Terry get the job? It was probably a long shot to say the least, and here he is. Um, you know, as the new head coach of the Longhorns. Well, it was probably a long shot to wonder if this team could ever keep it together when that time came. That's that was that's a that was a tough situation. That's tough for the players. That's tough for not only Rodney Terry, but that was tough for all the other coaches. I mean, you don't know what your future is like. You don't know how kids are going to react. It was to something that happens like that. I mean, what they think of their lives. I mean, they look at it in all different ways when something like that happens. You know, they they had nothing to do with anything, but they. You start to look at it. What could I could I have done something? Could I have helped the situation? Now, what is my situation? Well, and that's again. Well, I'll give credit to Chris Beard on the th- on the same note because uh, I'm a believer that you know A's higher A's and B's higher C's, mm-hmm. right? And so Chris Beard, the people he surrounded himself with in his program, told you he was hiring A's, right? He was he was looking for people, whether it's his coaching staff or then players in the recruiting realm, who are the best, right? Who can handle tough situations and adversity. Uh, and be you know quality people on the campus and in the team, and that's uh, that's to the whole staff. But you know Chris Beard getting here and, and coaxing Rodney Terry here, who was of his regard, uh, Chris Ogden, Bob Donawald, all these coaches. That, you built an, an A level coaching staff along with building a, a, a really high level roster in a short amount of time, which was you know the, the people were the reason it was able to weather a, a situation that was outside of their control when it hit them, and uh, that's impressive for everybody and, and all concerned in that spot. Uh, let's dive into that Coach's Corner. It's brought to you by Audiovisual Consultations, uh, abconsultations.com online. Howdy, folks. This is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. And Camilla McKay. And we're here to talk about cool sh- Sorry, it was the wrong one. <laughs> Come on, T.Y., wake it up in there. But uh, All right, so can we hear from uh, Rodney Terry yesterday? This is Actually, let's hear this, T.Y., from the Twitter, Twitter stream. This was uh, when he walked in the, the room. Because everybody had already gathered and they were just waiting on the president and Rodney to walk in. Uh, here's what it sounded like when he walked in the room. Like I always say to my guys every day, it's a great day. Great day to be alive, men. It's a great day to be a Longhorn. Now there was the standing ovation he received as he walked in. Well, we got some of it. There he was. Also, as we talked at the end of the show yesterday with uh, the great T.J. Ford, T.J. was with us on his way to that press conference where he sat and, uh, and of course, Rodney shouted him out for being there. And uh, uh, here was, was what Coach, because Rodney, T.J. was talking about, you know, I, I, he got here, Rodney got here when T.J. was already at Texas. Uh, T.J. had been played one year, and then Rodney was hired in 2002. And, you know, they formed a bond, and uh, uh, to this day, right, they, they keep, you know, when he, whether he's at Fresno State or UTEP or, uh, he and TJ would keep up, and that's not just isolated to him. Here's Roddy talking about a, a lifetime relationship he builds with his players, and uh, that's, that's the way it's going to be moving forward. You know, it's about lifelong relationships, and that's what you sign up for uh, when you sign up with the University of Texas and with Coach Terry. Um, and uh, uh, these guys here, man, I love these guys more than they know. You know, they, uh, they talk, you know, just like CDC said earlier, they taught us so much, so many valuable lessons this year in terms of facing adversity head on and not letting it derail what they wanted to accomplish this year. And uh, 
through the leadership of our, of our older players, helping our younger players, they did a fantastic job. Yeah, that is uh, well said, because uh, Rodney Terry also said yesterday that when he was asked about recruiting, right, and keeping the recruiting class together through all of this with Ron Holland and A.J. Uh, Johnson, that and it's something you know, Buck, that you're – and Rodney said, you know, yeah, relationships are important, but your your own players are your best recruiters. Oh, yeah. Your I mean, own team. You, you, that's, when you, that's when you win recruits is what your players think of you and what they think of the school and, and the facilities and everything around them. They, they're the best salesmen out there. Yeah, and you know there are many examples on this current roster. We just watched Run to the Elite Eight. You know when uh, Serge Jabari Rice was being recruited by Texas out of uh, New Mexico State, uh, he called his friend Timmy Allen and said, "Hey, what's you know they're recruiting me? What, what you know? What do you think? Thumbs up? Uh, what do you think about Texas? Actually, no. He, uh, Jabari was talking to Timmy Allen's brother, Teddy mm-hmm. Allen, who was his teammate, and said, "Well, why don't you just call my brother? Uh, you know, because they were talking it through, and he was going to maybe play another year at Texas." And said, well, just call my brother. And so he talked to Timmy, and Timmy gave it a big thumbs up, and that was a big part of him coming. Uh, also, uh, Marcus Carr was a big part of Tyrese Hunter making the move from Iowa State uh, to Texas. And that tells you just how quickly the program has become one that the, the players like playing in. Uh, and I think Rodney Terry's hoping to, to keep that, that moving because they're going to have to hit the portal again on top of the recruiting class and on top of keeping guys you know here. But it does feel like a program that, that young guys and – uh, well, this group made it want to play in. Made it fun for basketball. People started to like basketball. You know what I'm saying? They like basketball here. That the Moody Center is a place that you know you lose one game at home, one game for the whole basketball season is just amazing. And the crowds and the atmosphere and the enthusiasm of that place. You know, if you if you came here, just think if you came here for a visit and you were there and in, in one of those basketball games, and you saw this basketball team play there, and, and the you know just the Went feeling several, inside man. of that place. I went to several. It was a whole new, whole new world uh, for, for going to basketball games, and you know, going to the arena. You know, when you're a part of something that is, there's a lot of energy. It's a lot of fun. I mean, that was going to the Moody Center. I mean, the games were, yeah. were fun. But I saw him play Gonzaga and Creighton there. I saw him play Kansas at the end of the year. I mean, they're they're it you're was, already playing in the best conference in basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, it, it was a big-time arena, and now it's a home court advantage without a doubt. And we've gotten a couple of these in. This says, no one else fear we're going to be the next Texas Tech. And, of course, that refers to Mark Adams taking over for Chris Beard. And Yeah, you do. Uh, look, I mean, Roddy Terry's got to go do it. But, you know, Roddy Terry's been a head coach. He was a successful head coach at Fresno State. You know, if you— I mean, why wouldn't you think of anything but on the positive side after what you saw this year? I, well, that's a—but it's a fair question. I, I think he's going to do a good job. Um, but at the same time, you know, do the do the homework. When he was at Fresno State and UTEP, those were both complete rebuilds when he got there. And he built Fresno State into a 25-win team uh, and a tournament team. Uh, they had four 20-win seasons at Fresno State. He went to UTEP and uh, turned that thing around. And then, remember, he then the COVID year hit. He left UTEP as the head coach to come here where he could have stayed in, in, in out of El right. Paso and keep coaching that team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the if the guy wins twenty nine games next year or the year. I don't I don't know how that works out. I mean, you just have to wait and see. And it, a lot it, of things can happen during the course of recruiting, injuries, whatever. I just know that it's it's a very together place right now. Well, and, and if you want to compare, I don't know why you would compare it. I guess the comparison to Texas Tech is that they promoted a top assistant when Chris Beard left. But what was what was the Biggest problem with Mark Adams there was relationships, right? He was yes. he didn't get along with anybody. Um, 
and that soured really quickly. He knows basketball. He knows X's and O's. He was Chris Beard's you know, defensive coordinator, essentially, and that was a bad hire for Kirby Hocutt. I mean, his... But it, I know this. I, over, I, over I, one, one plus thing is the fact that this is this coach, the players respect him in a lot of different ways. Respect him not just a basketball coach, but as kind of a father figure, and what he's telling them about life. You yeah. know, he said he had to. I mean, when he when he he said when he when he first went to Fresno, he he had to be a little harder than he is now. I mean, he wasn't as as jolly. You know, you come in here and start building your culture. That's not easy to do. Sometimes you got to stomp your foot down. People don't like that. Kids think, "Oh man, this is this guy's too much of a hard ass." But he says he's learned his ways too. He said, "What you're getting is the real Rodney Terry now." Yeah, he was maybe too high strung, sure, to uh, you know not being himself and genuine enough in previous stops because it was such a grind. And yeah, being able to sit back and watch Chris Beard last year as an right. assistant, um, you know, said if I get another opportunity, I will be myself and. Look, I mean, look, what do we think of Mark Adams? Mark Adams, his biggest problem was his own personality. He he rubbed everybody the wrong way. There were reports out of Lubbock that he was his own coaching staff was again, you know, they were there were you know, acrimony there, the players. Uh it was not a good situation. I mean, Rodney Terry's number one trait is his personality and his ability to connect with people. Uh that's been wherever he is and it, and if you See a guy get a standing ovation from his team as he walks in the door. He's already got the connection with this team, uh, and that's what it's all about. And then bringing in new players. Let's hear uh, Rodney. I uh, sent you another another uh, piece of audio, uh, Ty. This is when you know talking about recruiting to Texas and what that means, right? Had been recruited to UTEP, had been recruited to places like Fresno State. Uh, so this is a bit of a different animal uh, when you when you're recruiting to Texas. This brand right here is incredible. I mean, it's powerful. It made me leave a, leave a head coaching job, you know, uh, because of the experience and because of uh, just the uh, the elite. It's the, it's the elite of the elite to be at the University of Texas. We have elite coaches on this on this campus. We have elite student athletes on this campus. Um, you know, obviously we'll start with our recruiting. We always like to start in the state. We want the best players in the state of Texas to come and play for the University of Texas. Uh, we feel like we have the best of all worlds. We have uh, incredible academic. Uh, you know, education that you're going to get while you're here. Uh, you're going to get an elite level basketball experience. Uh, you're going to live in one of the best cities in the country uh, and continue to grow. Um, and you're going to have an incredible alumni base that you're going to continue to have an opportunity to network with and, and uh, get to know uh, as well. But uh, we can go anywhere. We, can, we start within the state. We can go nationwide. We can go international because of this brand. It's, a very, See, it, very it, it's great about him uh, because it's not all about him, you know. It's about the university. He's talking about this university and what it can do for you, you know. Absolutely, uh, and that's I, I, there was a lot of that yesterday. Of uh, it's not about me; it's about the program. It's right. not about me about the players. It's not about me; it's about the staff. And that's you know, I think there was a genuine, genuine article to that. And can we play this cut too? We, we this was from the McDonald week at the McDonald's All American game, which was played last night. Ron Holland is the number one player in the state of Texas this year, best player in the state, recruited by Rodney Terry, by the way, when he was Chris Beard's top assistant. His two main recruiting targets were A.J. Johnson and Ron Holland. Landed both of them, and they're both coming to Texas. Ron Holland plays at Duncanville. He was asked up at the McDonald's All-American game about Rodney Terry and why, through all of it, he's uh, you know stuck with his commitment to play for Texas. 
Uh, I feel like Coach R.T. does a lot. He's really well trusted with his guys. He um, Not only does he coach them, he makes sure that they're good on and off the court, meaning, like, he gets in your personal life to make sure that you're, you're just good, like, uh, mentally. Um, he tries to teach a lot of life lessons and that you can carry with you uh, in becoming the young man that I'm going to be. Um, just knowing that he really cares about his players and he's not going to give up, I feel like that makes him the player's coach. All right, so there's Ron Holland at Duncanville. He'll be a part of uh, next year's roster. And it's also, as we heard from Jerry Hamilton yesterday, that uh, Trey Johnson, who's the number one player in the state for next year's class, he's a shooting guard from Lake Highlands. He also has a you – know, he might go straight to the NBA. He might be one of those guys that's a G sure. leaguer. But if he plays in college, Jerry believes that Texas would be his pick at this point, and that's another guy being recruited by Rodney Terry. So, I mean, it feels That guy like, sounds like the kind of man I'd want my son to be playing for. Me too. Agreed. You know, Agreed. son or daughter. That, that's, that's, who, that's, that's important. That would be important to me. No, I think he, He's going to build my son or my daughter into the right kind of person that I'd like to see them be when they, when they leave a place, whether they go to the NBA or not, and can they be successful. And As I said, you don't know what the future holds. You don't know what the, you know, I, I hope this is a, a program that's not satisfied with just where they just got to, the Elite Eight. Well, that's he, what that's the scary part of all that. Where do you where do you go from here? The Elite Eight, do you go to the final four, do you win a national championship? I mean, that's what people have on their minds. Are are you gonna take a step back? Well then that's up to to Rodney and his staff and the players. That you know, they still have to do their part in it. It doesn't just stop in one year. You know, you get to the Elite Eight. Are you okay? We'll get to the Elite Eight next year. Are we happy with our basketball program? Or what kind of program do you want to build? Well, he said he was echoing what Chris Beard had said before. We want to be a Monday night program and cut down the nets for a national championship. That's the goal. That doesn't change a bit. I would agree with you on, you know, he's the type of guy you would want to root for and have your your son play for, uh, having known him a long time. Rodney Terry has climbed this ladder and now has this opportunity. And as he said, you know, God puts you where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Put your feet where they need to be. And as he was kind of uh, opining yesterday, the fact that he bought a house in South Austin during COVID while he was still the coach at UTEP, right? He just bought a house as an investment. That's where he wanted to, to be when he was done. And he then buys all, into the university and Austin, Texas. Right. Well, I mean, the fact that he bought that and Texas wasn't even on his mind. He was talking about Austin. Mm-hmm. You know, he bought that house during COVID while he's still the coach at UTEP. And then Chris Beard calls him and says, hey, come be my top assistant. And he's like, okay. And, and you know, there's an argument that if he hadn't bought that house, maybe he doesn't do that. Maybe he stays at UTEP, but he's like, okay, I'll do that. And then, of course, this happens, and now the opportunity is sitting in front of him. And uh, it, it's one that, look, there are no guarantees in a coaching hire. No. Who knows what the future holds? Who would have guessed how this year went? Uh, same time, he's a guy that's easy to root for, and he's got a lot of uh, a lot of energy, and he's already well-liked within the program. And players win games, and I think he's going to be able to bring in players uh, and coach them up. So uh, that's the Longhorn situation. Texas baseball with the big win. Texas basketball with the new head coach. We'll pick that up on the other side and take your thoughts throughout the morning on a busy Wednesday. T.Y. will lead us to some hot or not topics coming up. Uh, we roll forward. B&E with you. It's Bucky and Aaron. Say E. Coach couldn't get, a, get out of El Paso quick enough and bought a house here in Austin, huh? <laughs> Oh, not, I'm, not knock, I'm not knocking El Paso now. It's I, it's a nice place for a week. Been there. Done that a couple mm-hmm. times. He said he, he Sun Bowl. It. Yeah, well, because, of course, uh, my man Rodney Terry is a St. Ed's grad, and so he bought a house not far from St. Ed's. Right, uh, I don't make him dumb. Between St. Ed's and Getting downtown. Out of there. Yeah, well, well, he didn't buy it to move. He bought it <laughs> for an investment during the COVIDs, and then the, the opportunity presented itself to come to Texas, and he took it. 
But, uh, yeah, still living there right there between downtown and uh, St. Edwards there, South Austin. And he's now the head coach of the Longhorns. You know, we had somebody said, I lived in El Paso. I would have bought a house in Austin, too. See, that's not nice. We're going to knock the, the EP. Come on, now. It's not, not, not necessary. Hey, if you uh, want more on the Rodney Terry conversation, a ton of content at hornfm.com and on our socials. Uh, right after the press conference yesterday, which you heard live here on the Horn, Rodney did a sit-down with Craig Way, which is available. Also, as you said, uh, uh, Rodney Terry's first head coaching boss was uh, Celeste Collier at Bowie, CC, uh, Isaiah Collier's dad. So they had him on yesterday afternoon talking about having Rodney as a youngster out of St. Ed's. And uh, also, T.J. Ford was with us yesterday. You can go back and hear that, talking about the new Longhorn basketball coach. Texas baseball with a nice win last night. Uh, they're putting them together now, 15 in a row. This team doesn't even resemble the team that uh, came back from Cal State Fullerton at 4-7 and seven and uh, trying to see, looking for answers. I will say that when the Horns came back from California, we had Ty Harrington on the show, uh, and, and he was out there in California and called those games with Keith Moreland and said, look, they lost those games, but as a manager, what I saw was – competitive fight like they fought I mean they a couple of swings here and there a couple of plays here and there they could have swept that series instead they lost two out of three and I know that sounds like coach speak no it's winning is hard yeah well coach said and he said but look there's a lot I saw a lot that I like about this team coming back and and he was prophetic because since that point they haven't lost a game they've put some they've identified some roles they've gotten the lineup where they need it um you know a lot of things are coming together and and the one thing David Pierce said yesterday after the game about what he loves about his team right now is that their competitive fight, that they're, they're fighting for it, right? They had the two walk-off wins over Texas Tech. Uh, they've found a closer in Zane Morehouse now. They've got a lineup that they can put out there every day that's going to produce in different ways. Yeah, by the way, winning is fun, too. It's hard, but it's fun. Yeah, and the margin between it, the winning and losing in that game, or really in any sport, is not a lot. And, you know, you make a play here or there or you don't. How many 15-game winning streaks do you have on your college campus? Not in many. the course of years, not just, I mean. I mean, that's three weeks of winning. And uh, when you're playing three, four games or four or five games a week, uh, you start to stack them up. And that's what the Longhorns are doing. And, you know, winning is contagious. That also, it is. But also yesterday when we talked to Ty Harrington, he, you know, confidence is, it, it breeds confidence, right? I mean, Zane Morehouse last night, let me say this for him. You know, that's a game on the road against with 8,000 hostiles. You, you're up five to two, so you have a three-run lead. But the first two batters reach on a walk and a hit batter. Then your second baseman boots a ground ball that you coax. You coax a ground ball. He he boots the double play. Uh, now, he got the out at first, but it's a fielder's choice, but you only got one when you could have had two. And now it's second and third, just one out and a base open. Yep. And, there, you know, you can buckle in that spot, right? You 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 uh, give up a knock. You give up a ball in the gap. It's all of a sudden, you know, five to four. And this is what you really like about him being at the back end. You have to be able to to calm yourself to uh, to bring your, your heart rate down and pitch in those moments because it's one thing to do it at home, but it's another thing to do it on the road in front of a hostile crowd and things aren't going your way. And um, he 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 uh, you know punched out the next two uh, with two strikeouts to end that ball game. That gives you a lot of confidence if you're David Pearson. Uh, also, let's remember that Woody Williams is a first year pitching coach and he was learning this pitching staff in real time of who, who he can rely on. Who, you know wh- which guys are are best for what spots, and that's where a guy like Zane Morehouse is interesting because. He started as a starter right on Saturdays, and now because they felt like they needed someone to close games, they made the decision, let's get this guy in the back end because he's bringing that you know, mid-90s nastiness. We need that in the, in, the, in the eighth and ninth inning of ball games, and he has really become that guy. And that gives you confidence in the back end, 
and now you can work together with your your pitching staff. But it feels like like that, it felt like the offensive lineup got there faster than the pitching staff did, and it feels like the pitching staff's now getting there because mm-hmm. if you saw it on uh, on Sunday, they gave the Sunday start to Charlie Hurley, the big six eight right hander, the USC transfer, and he went out and pitched great. And uh, that you're starting to identify that okay, we got Lucas Gordon on Friday. It's going to be you know a combination of Charlie Hurley, LBJ, and Travis Staley on your weekend starts. And then, you know, we've got Morehouse and Chris Stewart and guys who can close games. Uh, the other guy to mention, and we'll talk to Coach Pierce tomorrow, our weekly Thursday visit with Coach Pierce, 830 tomorrow. The guy in the batting order, I mean, Porter Brown was just named the, the conference's player of the year, the week for what he did last week against Texas Tech. And this guy, Peyton Powell, um, is just, he's as good a hitter as you're going to find, Buck. I mean, uh, and when, when you can when you can bat 416, have an OPS of 1,200, uh, have over, what, 53, 54 total bases now, but you've only struck out six times all season. That means you're taking great at-bats, you're working pitching stabs, uh, you're putting the ball in play for your team. Uh, Peyton Powell has really emerged as a guy that, you know, it's not Ivan Melendez, nobody is, but at the same time he kind of gives you that kind of at-bat uh, and that kind of presence in the middle of that order. Uh, and I'll say this, if they get Dylan Campbell swinging it, if he gets hot here as the, the temperature rises, they're going to have a really potent offensive lineup because Eric Kennedy's doing what you need to do at the top of the order. A lot of bats for that guy. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Peyton Powell, E.K., Porter Brown, Garrett Gilmet. Uh, the, the the lineup is starting to take shape along with the pitching staff and, you know, right at the right time. That's how you win 15 in a row. And now you go to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State for three games and see if you can keep that going. Yeah, but yeah, got a streak going, Buck. You don't want to lose. No, man, you hate losing. What did Bull Durham say? Never blank with a winning streak. No. Remember when they were coming back on the Just win streak? Just keep going. And he's like, he's about to. Remember the win streak started when he stopped having relations with Annie? Remember that? Oh, yeah. And Nuke said, I'm shutting it down. And they didn't lose. And Nuke. Then, then he says to he says to Crash Davis, he says, uh, I'm thinking about giving in. He's like, what? No. On the bus back. Don't the blank with a winning streak. You can't give in? No. You can't give in? Well, she's all over me. And no, uh Can't give in. Keep it going. Never blank with a winning streak, T.Y. Never do it. Hey, did you sell those Final Four tickets yet? Yeah, I think they're. I think they've found a home. Those Jinx tickets? Yes. Come on, man. All right. So Sadly. So you guys. Wish so I could use them. So let's let's play out this play by play. These guys, you you and your dad. Well, the Longhorns are up by thirteen at the half against Miami on Sunday. Buy Final Four tickets, which is the ultimate fan jinx. And now you're not even going to go to the game. You sold them. I mean, why? You, you, it's not like you want to go to these games. Oh, you couldn't pay me to go to the Florida Atlantic. <laughs> if you asked me, I'll give you uh, tickets to see Florida Atlantic play San Diego State, I wouldn't go. You I, think it's going to be ugly? Have you seen San Diego State play basketball? Yeah. It'll be like the Wisconsin-North Texas game last night. I, I'll watch the game, but I'm not going. And I certainly wouldn't pay money to buy tickets for it. I'll go down the street in Houston and watch the Astros play is opening it, is weekend. It, is it an NRG, right? Yes. Yeah, and watching basketball. That's the right. I mean, right. You're going to put me in a cavernous football yeah, stadium that's... to watch San Diego State play Florida Atlantic? No, thank you. If Texas was playing, you could put me up at the nosebleeds. Well, sure. Though. Well, then you got a vested interest. I don't really have, like, I my bracket's busted. I don't have any of the Final Four teams. I, I'll be over at Minute Maid Park watching the Astros or watching the Longhorns play Oklahoma State or something. Got to have that interest in the game. And it's, you know, it's a, I, I know it's March Madness, but, uh, like if I told you on CBS Sports Network at nine o'clock tonight, Florida Atlantic is playing San Diego State back in March or back in February, would you watch that game? 
No. Bucky's been a fan of Florida Atlantic all year. Kind of like Florida Atlantic. He's been on them. I like them. For gambling purposes only? Uh, gambling purposes. That's right. Okay. They've been good. That's Their conference is pretty good. San Diego State's conference. my team, too. Yeah, you like those old dudes. Well, you those you thirty-five were... year old dudes playing bald, just throwing throwing up hook shots, throwing up, hook, <laughs> throwing up half hooks, hey, well, that's... backing guys down in the lane like Zay. Team wins, team wins, because they're not the most talented team. No, San Diego State. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it, you know, you're talking about seven seniors and two juniors. Then they rotate nine players, and all of them are like twenty two or twenty three years is old. What we'll be missing from this basketball team next year? There was a lot of veterans yeah, on this team. It was. And those guys know how to play together. Yes. And they know how to play basketball. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that's not – I think that's a good thing for college basketball. I think that's a good thing for the sport. This sport got really in a bad way when you're talking about, you know, one one and done players. Guys leaving. All freshmen on a team that that aren't, you know, team players yet. I think it's good for the sport that San Diego State is here and on a team like Florida Atlantic. Did you see, you know, Jerome Tang, Kansas State played in the Big 12, which is the best basketball conference in the country. And after they beat K-State up there at Madison Square Garden on Saturday, Jerome Tang, in a very classy way, went into their locker room, Florida Atlantic, and rooted those, told those guys congratulations, go get them, and said they were the toughest team mentally that they played all year long, which is high praise coming out of the Big 12. Yep. And so, yeah, Florida Atlantic, they're not going to back down. One of those two teams is playing for the national championship on Monday night. That's exactly right. One of them got to play, don't yeah, they? Yeah. One of those teams will be playing for the Natty. And obviously UConn is the prohibitive favorite now going into it, the way they're not just beating people, but they're crushing people in this tournament. Uh, UConn's average margin of victory is 15. How about the way they beat Gonzaga? Dude, they have big dudes. They, don't, they, don't, they, they, have, they have no nonsense. They went through Gonzaga like they oh, weren't yeah. there. And Gonzaga's a pretty good team. Now they're getting Miami. And this is why it's really unfortunate for Texas that Dylan DeSue was hurt for the game last week because Miami don't have anybody to match up with UConn down low. No. I mean, they'll try to force them with that four-guard lineup, but they don't have anybody to match the the size of UConn, and UConn could make that, – that could be a real problem and for And UConn's Jim got long enough guys on the exterior, too. They don't, have so a bunch of, they don't have a bunch of five foot eight nine guys. Well, Dan Hurley's team is really good. I mean, they can beat you inside and out. They can beat you on defense and offense. Shoot the threes. Yeah, they're good, and they're a really, really good team. Uh, and probably not probably. I mean, Vegas. I watched a lot of Big East ball this year. I didn't realize they were that good, Ty, the whole time. I mean, they were kind of off and on. You know, they got beat. They, I thought Big they East were, was a great conference this year. Yeah, they, I thought they were going to be more kind of a Cinderella. I know they've won national championships there before. I mean, but I was waiting for Villanova to to, to resurrect themselves again, and they didn't. I mean, UConn crushed them. Villanova was terrible this year. Just crushed them. Jay Wright leaving. Didn't Marquette win the conference? Yeah. Yeah. The shock of smart March yeah. curse continues. But he won UCA, a game. He won a game and then lost a game. Uh, and still hadn't played out of that first weekend since he was at uh, VCU. We'll come back when we do. It's Hot or Not Time with T.Y. Also, uh, we'll hear more from Rodney Terry, the new head basketball coach at Texas, and uh, more from the owners' meetings out there in Phoenix, the goings-on with the uh, 32 NFL billionaires. It's B&E on the horn. What's hot? And what's not? What's hot, what's not is brought to you by Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in central Texas. Visit us at txortho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment. Hot not, this guy says, could you say happy birthday to my son Roberto turning 16 today? Happy birthday, happy sweet 16. Go get that driver's license. Oh, permit's done now. It's time to get it, huh? 
Yeah, somebody said 36 people picked this Final Four in the ESPN brackets. 36 out of 20 million had this Final Four. This is, did Bucky hear Tom Herman? Uh, winning is hard. <laughs> That's true. You did say winning is hard. Winning is hard. It is not easy. And and that's why 15, and 15 in a row. 15 in a row is really hard. That's exactly right. And that's in any sport, right? Anything. Yeah, well, being being consistently good at something day after day after day is not uh, takes time, takes effort, takes practice. Takes some luck. Certainly does. And I heard I like that from Rodney Terry yesterday. He's talking about his uh his coaching method and you know, we, one of his mantras with the team is uh, that, that there is no pressure if you're prepared. And that's true. No I mean, excuse if, for lack of prepare. pressure. Usually means you're that's nervous right. about something, which means maybe you're not as prepared as you should be. If we prepare our way, our way, we won't be nervous. Absolutely. And it felt like Wisconsin was nervous last night against the Mean Green of North Texas. We'll mention again they scored 13 points in the second half against the Mean Green. 13, 13 points. Pressure got them. They were prepared for the Mean get Green defense. Get some guys over Gregory Jim and get you 13. Yeah, they, the, the Wisconsin Badgers out of the Big Ten. Their last bucket, the last point came at 9:07 of the game. They didn't score again, and they lost 56-54 to to North Texas, who came and beat them, and they're going to play for the NIT championship. Uh, T.Y., what do you have for us in hot or not, my friend, as we get you rolling here, if you sold those Final Four tickets? By the way, somebody did ask, if, I bought, if I've already bought Super Bowl tickets to see the Cowboys next year, am I jinxing it? No. Yeah, you are. No need to do that. They're not going to the Super Bowl. It's a waste of money. Yeah, that's all that is. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm guaranteeing the Cowboys Super Bowl. Get out of here. Well, hopefully if they're winning the NFC Championship game at halftime, you don't call and buy tickets. I would. <laughs> See, that, you're going to do it yourself again. Cowboys will be behind. you got to beat the rush. The commanders. Oh, And their new owner. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So you're guaranteeing the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. In, not win. Well, that means I won't have to walk to Dallas if they don't win the Super Bowl. Uh, oh, hell, that would make them in last place, wouldn't it? You're, you've got them behind the Commanders. Yeah, because the Commanders will be behind the Giants. And Anthelopolopolopolis, or whoever their new owner is going to be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But um, So you're guaranteeing Cowboys in the Super Bowl out of the NFC next year, T.Y., on March 29th. Today, yes, I'm... I'm right in the book. What what is happening? Or you won't have to worry about. Hey, you won't have to worry about Green Bay because they're going nowhere. I do like the Cowboys offseason so far with Jordan Love. And I will point out, and I don't want to get Cowboy fans too excited, but I was reading yesterday theAthletic.com. Right, is the great website, yeah, subscription site. But they uh, they have a beat writer for every NFL team. They have a, a, a reporter who covers every team, like John Machota is the Cowboys beat writer. But they have one for every NFL team. So yeah, this weekend they put out the beat writers mock draft a month of the draft. So the team, the play, the people who cover the team the most make the pick, and um, they had the Texans taking Bryce Young at two, and they had the Cowboys at twenty six taking Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson still there. Can I and change the Cowboys... my thought when that happens? If that happens, we get a chance to change though. And those are like obviously the beat reporter doesn't know who they're going to pick, but they're around the team all the time, so they have a good sense of what the team is thinking. And yeah, two things would have to happen there. Like Bijan would have to be available at 26, and then the it's Cowboys true. would have actually have to turn the card in. Well, I sure like their chances a lot better if that were the case. But right now, they're behind the Commanders. Maybe that. Maybe that's how Jerry I mean, Jones. The Eagles, the Giants, the Commanders, and then the Cowboys. Maybe that's how Jerry Jones could, could uh, make his disgruntled daughter. And her lawsuit going, I'll let you turn in the card. Come on, come be part of the draft with us.
That's as close as you're going to get. We'll get the latest of that. T.Y., what'd you have for us in Hot or Not? Uh, Chiefs superfan, Chiefsaholic. Have you heard of him? Yes. He uh, was, you know, arrested for being a bank robber in yeah. Oklahoma recently. And yesterday, news came out that he has skipped bail, and he is out on the run. There is a $1 million bond warrant. What? How much? $1 million if you get him. Million bucks. Let's find this guy. That dead or alive? Where's Dog the Bounty Hunter when we need him? Where's Dog? That's what that means, right? A bond warrant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, bounty hunters will be after him. Collect that that case. Hell, yeah. I'm in on that. So this was Chief Saholic, like on Twitters and stuff? Yeah, and he goes all all the games, dresses like a wolf. He's a bank robber? Yes. Great. great. That is great. That is Chief Saholic. Now he's going to be Jailaholic if they catch him. All right, look for look for him out there. We'll be back. We pick this up on the other side. It's B and E on the horn.